Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day, Lord, for sending your Son to show us the way, Lord, to call us to repent, to follow in the ways of his righteousness, and Lord, that we might be examples for others in doing so as well. We would ask this morning that you break your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. I have shared before that the season of Lent is one of my favorite times in the whole church year. And one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is that it can be very raw in its expression of the faith. We remove the alleluias and the platitudes of praise. And we actually have the experience of embracing the lament of our sin that demands a Savior. But each Week as our lectionary readings take us closer to the cross, the tone becomes more somber. And with each step that we make, we are confronted with our sin even more. Throughout our three readings today from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel lesson, there is this thread of staying upright. And we can think about that in terms of physical scales, but actually probably one of the best ways to imagine this is through a top that has to be perfectly weighted and balanced on all sides to spin perfectly enough to stay upright as it goes. The season of Lent is like the drunken walk of a sober man. That's stumbling our way through the shadows and shards of brokenness in the world around us intoxicated and overwhelmed over our own situation in life. That point where we are so beaten and burdened down. Where we can barely keep our legs beneath us. And yet the whole time, still stone sober without the distractions of these platitudes and praise that can detract away from the whole reason why we needed a Savior in the first place. See, in American music, we tend towards the praise. We don't like the lament. We don't like having to be confronted with brokenness that we have caused. So many of our hymns steer us in the direction of praising God instead of begging for His mercy. 
And yet each step through our Lenten journey shows us that the way through the cross is wrought with balancing the reality of being both saint and sinner. Our Old Testament lesson in Ezekiel this morning speaks to us in terms of righteousness and wickedness. Of what is right versus injustice. When we know what is right, we are held to an even higher accountability to not only keep it, but to also guide others in doing so. See, this is a call to a culture shift within the church. I would ask, is the world around you today the same as it was in your youth? Have things changed? Have we? The mode of the church so often is to say, this is the way that is the right way to do things, and we do not stray from this. And if you want to be a part of this fellowship, then you step in line and you walk the step that we walk, and you tow the same line that we tow. You speak our words. You read our prayers and you sing our songs and you lament the way that we lament when we say we can lament. But what that does is it says to the rest of the world that that's your way of doing things and that's your way and that's okay and this is our way and we're going to stick to our way and if you want to do that, then go for it. That's okay. But brothers and sisters in Christ, if we really love our neighbor, how can we stand by and watch them actively perish? And see, the way that God calls Ezekiel to speak into the lives of the people, it's not to say, hey, by the way, dummy, you've screwed up, and guess what? You're going to hell. I hope you fix your ways, and maybe I'll see you in heaven. But instead, he says, actually go and tell them the words that I speak. Love them enough to spend time with them, to earn a hearing, and then to share the words that I have shared with you. Friend, that act that you're doing, that behavior that you're engaged in, that relationship that you have devoted yourself to, that toxic place that you spend your time, it's killing you. And it pains me to watch. And I'll go where you go, and I will go with you to speak with you, to listen, to learn, and to love. But friend, I can't watch this any longer without saying something first.
You see, God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, if you don't do that, if you know what is right and you watch others actively perish in doing what is wicked and wrong, then guess what? I will claim their blood upon your hands. How's that for accountability, church? I don't like it either, Rory. (laughs) The heart of our faith is seen in how we are raised up after we fall. You see, we don't get to stand around and walk tall like we are righteous and something to behold because to do so requires that we look down on everyone else beneath us. That we engage in an attitude that says that I am better than you because I've got my stuff together and you're still a mess. But if the lion is to lie with the lamb on the last day, then Christ's kingdom come on earth calls us to a culture of radical hospitality that attracts opposites that draws in people that come from different backgrounds and perspectives and histories and heritages. The people that come with different baggage than our own. The closer we come to the cross, the more we find ourselves at the epicenter of our role in placing it there. See, the way that the lectionary walks us through the season of Lent is that it confronts us each and every reading to hold the mirror up to our face and say, you poor, miserable sinner. It was your hand that pounded the nail into his. It was your mouth that mocked him from the cross. And it was your legs that carried you far when he drew his last breath. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, we know that that is not where God's story ends in our lives. Our struggle to stay upright is addressed completely and wholly in the amazing grace that proclaims victory over every kind of death in our life. On Friday, we waited back in my office for my kids to get out of school and for my mom to bring them back to see us. And y'all, I've been an emotional basket case for the last three and a half months. And the first thought that came to my mind when my kids came running into the office and knew that everything was okay was victory! That we've won. 
See, fighting to stay upright demands that we keep our eyes upward. That we don't get to look down and we don't get to sit there and feel sorry for ourselves and wallow in what could have been and what should have been and what was, but instead that God calls us from the ground to look up to the cross and to see that it still stands empty. That that body that was taken down and laid in a tomb was raised back up and stands upon its own two feet. In our gospel text for today, the people want to know, Lord, what kind of sin, how bad did they mess up for those folks to have their blood mingled with Pilate's sacrifices? They had nothing to do with it. Their blood was just mixed. They were made impure. They were the victims of an injustice. And Jesus responds and actually says, not once but twice, do you think that they were worse sinners? And the answer is no. But unless you repent. See, and in the Greek-Hebrew mind, repent isn't the same way that we see repent like we need to fall down to our knees and proclaim all of our sins and sinners in the hand of an angry God. But rather, repent is to examine ourselves, our own unworthiness and our own faults and failures. Repent. Or you will all likewise perish. And then he tells them this parable. And he talks about this man who had a fig tree in his vineyard that did not produce any fruit. And as he goes in and he's about to cut it off and take it out of the ground, the vineyard keeper says, give me one more year. Let me dig around it. And then I'm going to pile a bunch of crap on top of it. I'm going to fill this thing full of so much manure that you can smell it when you come down the hill. And if it doesn't bear fruit then, then it never will and you can cut it off. It's easy to lose our focus when the manure starts to pile up around us. See, we are told that we are what we are. We are what we reproduce. We are reflective of the fruit that we bear. And yet so often in our identity when we stand in the valley of death, and when we stand in the shadow of our sin and we stand before the cross and that body still sits upon it, then instead of seeing the fruit that we're trying to bear, instead all we see is the manure that covers us instead. But God creates every man, 
with a plan and purpose to bear fruit according to His will. And so because of that, every single person, every single heartbeat on earth has value and purpose endowed to them by their Creator. Which means that we're not doomed to be victims of circumstance. And we can find balance between saint and sinner by keeping our eyes fixed upon the one who is the perfect balance between both fully God and fully man. The one who has stepped with feet in both realms. Who was there before there was. See, Peter steps out of the boat and he looks and he sees that Jesus is standing on the water and he begins to step across the water for himself. And as long as he keeps his eyes fixed upon Jesus, he's good. But the second that he starts to revel in his own righteousness, he sinks. We are called to a culture shift. You see, the goal of every temptation is to isolate us from one another and from God. We have this way as Christians, sometimes we want to say things that are helpful and we really want to be well-meaning and so we will say things like, take courage, God will never give you more than you can handle. Meanwhile, you're feeling like the vine buried under a pile of poo. And yet we rip that verse right out of context and we do a gross injustice to the gospel that it speaks. Staying upright requires us to be propped up. To recognize and remember that we are not engaged in this journey on our own, but rather it's something that we are called to in community with one another and with God. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You're not unique in being tempted and tried. We are all victims of the same devil. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, staying upright doesn't allow us to stand still. We have to move. If that top stops spinning, it falls over. The entire narrative of God's salvation in our life 
from the very beginning of creation to the very end of time is all about the way that he calls and gathers us together as his family. The call, the other, those on the outside and the margins and fringes, to call them home to their place at the table. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.